Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 67 Talon Urin of the Brigand Darth. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Sarah Thompson's table in the Levitating Platter. Welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, the first one of the new year. So happy new year, everyone. It's the best unofficial D&D podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. I've got a wonderful guest lined up for this episode, uh, but before we get to reveal our mystery guest, I have to introduce and tell you about our first sponsor, Plus One EXP. Uh, Tony Vicinda, of course, is the mastermind behind his mastercraft of beard balms, game design, and community building. He has all of the different kinds of beard balms named after the basic stats of Dungeons & Dragons. So get a bottle, apply it to your face, and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards & Beyond is the independent RPG that helped to launch this brand and Tony has collaborated and developed several other RPG projects, including Repugnant with Terrible Games, iToaster, a brave little toaster-inspired tabletop game, and Down We Go, a game which seeks to capture the heart of old-school tabletop gaming. And of course, it's the Christmas tide season still going on, New Year. And uh, if you didn't know, Tony also has a game called the Santa Side Squad, which is really cool. Um, if you support Plus One EXP, either by buying something or supporting them on Patreon and the like, uh, all of that money goes to help funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional independent tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. I highly encourage you to go onto social media, follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all those platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, in order to keep up to date with all the various projects he's working on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these amazing games. So if you don't mind, head on over to plus1exp.com. And uh, when you go to the store part and you want to buy some stuff and you see that checkout promo code box, go ahead and use my code Randolph uh, when you're buying a beard balm or a game in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. So again, the code is Randolph at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. With all that out of the way, hello, mystery guest from across the pond. How are you today? Hello, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, for those of us that don't know, would you please introduce yourself and uh, tell us what it is that you do? 
Sure thing. Um, hi, I'm Sarah, Sarah Thompson. Um, you probably know me from Twitter as Mustangs Art. Um, I'm the creator of the homebrew fifth edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons combat wheelchair um, and all of the stuff that comes with that. Um, I also work on uh, a bunch of different tabletop games um, as both a uh, you know writer and game designer and also from a disability advocacy and inclusion perspective um, and sensitivity reader and all the fun stuff that comes with that. Um, some of the things that I've worked on include um, The Witcher, Cyberpunk Red, um, as well as uh, both Starfinder and Pathfinder. Um, and I've also done uh, other stuff with other companies uh, like Steamforge Games, um, producing Bard Sung with them. And if I'm not mistaken as well, you did get to contribute to MCDM Productions Arcadia as well. I did, yeah. Um, and I'm, funnily enough, I made an NPC for that. Yes, I know. Um, I yeah. saw that and was very impressed <laughs> and thought, this guy is super cool. He, is, he was a, a very fun passion project. Awesome. Well, I think this is, as we say in America, a softball question, but do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons before? Uh, yes, and I'm currently in a campaign right now. Um, but right next to me here are all my uh, my drawings for a character that I'm currently playing. Oh, cool. Um, his name is Kez, uh, and he is a blood hunter um, in a homebrewed game, uh, which my friend is DMing and he's a wonderful dm um and literally last session i accidentally unleashed a fey uh, an arch fey back into the world that shouldn't be there so that's oh. fun <laughs> there we go um, yeah. just just a little bit of chaos you know no harm no foul just a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing well, of course, uh, this podcast is called Sidekicks and Side Quests, so we like to ask the questions of, uh, do you happen to have a favorite NPC from an RPG, video game, uh, film, television, etc., literature, you know, take your pick, and uh, why are they your favorite NPC? Sidekick. Um, so from video games, uh, in Dragon Age, it would be Varric. I absolutely love Varric, and I think it's a crime that we can't romance him in Dragon Age games, an absolute crime. Um, <laughs> and uh, also from video games, but from the novels as well, Regis from The Witcher, both um, the Blood and Wine expansion and the books he's in. Um, he's just a great character. He's one of those like charismatic know-it-alls, but is very charming about it. And it's just like a very endearing character. Um, and he's also a super old vampire who's like 800 years old and decided to stop drinking blood um, and being a, uh, a surgeon instead. And he helps people because he's gathered medical information across the centuries and yeah, yeah. helps people instead, um, which okay. he's just a, a cool character concept. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, there, there are quite a lot of NPCs, really. The ones that kind of either, I guess, support a character, like the main character, or they add something, like even if it's just they appear once and it's a fun little like side quest and then you never see them again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like th there are an absolute like whole menagerie of ones, especially in The Witcher, like because you're wandering across the continent and you just find random people and some of them are like, incredibly good like but they only appear for like five minutes mm -hmm. um so yeah like uh but i think 
uh, if I had to pick between Witcher and Dragon Age, I'd probably say Dragon Age has a lot more interesting NPCs, but that's just because it's a, a bigger world and a higher mm. fantasy kind of game. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, Varric and also on the, the path of Dragon Age as well. Um, definitely Dorian. I love Dorian as well. Dorian's great. And so is Fenris as well. <laughs> okay. We've got a whole bevy, a whole cast of characters yeah. for an answer. That's great. Uh, you know, it's all about discussing and, and figuring out how all of these otherwise seemingly minor or characters that just kind of blend into the background really make a difference in the world and bring it to life, which, you know, it has done in both of these properties that I'm not totally 100% familiar with. But that's okay. I, I learn as I go. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I mean, I mean, another big one you could say, like, is uh, obviously from like Lord of the Rings. So like Samwise Gamgee, mm. definitely. Like the fact, you know, that he practically carried Frodo there right. <laughs> for the most part, you know, being that really good support, like best friend character who cheers you on. <laughs> right. Which I know I have had previous guests argue about uh, Samwise actually being more of a main character than necessarily an NPC. So uh, yeah. for sure, <laughs> listeners can go back into our back catalog of episodes and hear uh, Katie Ruvalcaba and uh, Daniel Stewart talk about that. So obviously, as you were uh, alluding to with side quests as well, do you happen to have a favorite side quest, either from video game, RPG, movie, film, literature, etc.? And why has it been one of your favorite side quests? I think, again, from The Witcher, like who would have guessed it's one of my favorite games? Um, <laughs> but from, from Witcher 3, uh, I can't remember the exact name of the quest, but it's the one where you have to go to Skellige and you have to fight a Heim, which is a ghost that is entirely made of darkness and it latches onto people um who have done something wrong and need to like atone for what they've done mm -hmm. um and basically punishes them until they eventually die from it um Ooh. and uh the the reason it stands out to me is um Geralt decides to trick the Heim into making it think that Geralt did the worst thing imaginable so it tries to go for him instead mm -hmm. and that requires you having to take a baby and throw it in the oven. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know this property <laughs> comes from Poland, but I didn't realize Poland was this hardcore. Um, that well, was the thing. Well, like, SARS, I should know better. Well, I, I was like, I was like, oh my God, like, okay, I guess I have to throw the baby in. And like, I did, like, you have the choice not to, but I did because I was like, maybe it won't be a bad choice like and i i'd saved beforehand just in case of course save off <laughs> i got a multiple save files and threw the baby in and it it was it was just like a, a trick like it actually there was a woman waiting on the other side and like it only looked like it had oh been ignited. my goodness Oof. but Geralt didn't know that like he was mm. just trusting that something wouldn't go horribly wrong mm -hmm. um which is why the the heim gets tricked but like that made me like as a player like genuinely panic because i was like right. oh no i've just thrown a baby in the oven <laughs> right no i mean you're describing it now and i'm panicking even so yeah um and that was one that like just really stood out to me um and there's another one as well which is uh, a lot of the time in the witch are the best ones like the side quests are the ones where there are monsters but you don't always have to kill them mm -hmm. um because they're either sentient um or because they literally have done nothing wrong and it's the fault of the humans for aggravating it mm. um there's a really good one with the leshen which is also on skellige and leshens are my favorite monster from the series they're like these big uh humanoid kind of uh 
creatures made from the forest and they're about like 10 12 feet tall and they have like big uh stag skull heads with antlers on them and Mm. they summon ravens and wolves to fight you with and Um, if you're in uh whales apparently they come to your door and rap battle and ask for treats and stuff right (laughs) if i'm understanding culture correctly I mean, yeah, there's definitely that kind of inspiration um, of the the Marie Lewid from it. Um, and uh, th- there is also some Slavic inspiration. I can't remember exactly which it comes from. But um, yeah, and there's a, a really good quest where like basically this very remote island in Skellige has this culture of they send their warriors um, there to like make offerings to it and the Leshen like protects them and stuff. And you have to come to the decision of um, because the Leshen like chooses a single target and this woman's going to die of either letting the woman die and letting the Leshen live because it contributes to a culture or killing this Leshen that's like a thousand years old and just for the sake of like one woman who may or may not die. So it's like, you know, having to juggle a lot of like, because the thing about The Witcher when people play it, they're kind of shocked by the fact that it's not black and white. It's very just morally gray and you've kind of got to pick what you think mm-hmm. is best and stick by it mm-hmm. um which is why like the, the quests are so fun um and I, I like playing Geralt with like all of his own morals and how he mm-hmm. sees the world and what he chooses to do and I chose not to kill the Leshen because I couldn't I couldn't do it they're my favorite mm-hmm. monsters but besides that as well like you find out that like the human woman had done certain things and it's like okay I understand now and like it contributes greatly to the culture and it protects this whole island with magic and stuff Mm -hmm. and I don't want these people to all die out just because one woman might die out so yeah yeah I was was gonna say I I think (laughs) I saw some sort of Facebook video there's like another game studio that came out with like this creature that you're describing sounds like the character that you play in this game there's like I don't know, mercenaries or something invading the forest and you become like this big spirit of the forest. Like you were saying, the stag head and it like, you get to like go around and rampage and and stuff like this, I guess, taking on merch (laughs) and stuff. So (laughs) I guess we'll be on the lookout for that game in the future here soon. So. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Right. And then the final question that we ask to end the personal interview section is what are you passionate about and why? Um, I guess just creating things for tabletop really which you know it's it's lucky because that's my job <laughs> mm. um you know and I'm I'm really passionate about that and even if it's not always disability content I enjoy making magic items I enjoy making things that I know will make players do double takes at tables or make dms really excited to use them um and you know I also really love the disability side of what I do because I like knowing that my work is put out there and um you know that that there are people who can then play a character who's like them because you know everybody likes to say oh my character's not like me but there's always like something very small that you you make them like you whether it's you know they get anxious over certain things or they um you know tell silly jokes like you may tell jokes and that kind of thing you know you want something to relate to them with um and just knowing that I contribute in in a way to um, helping disabled people actually have, you know, good, valid representation in both fantasy and sci-fi, which, Mm. you know, there there have been problems in both in the past and getting to be 
contributing towards this kind of turning point of changing things is great and it's just really fulfilling and I'm very passionate about it um, right and yeah like my passion for the combat wheelchair hasn't died like since I posted it so I do yeah because I think that segues perfectly into uh you know just kind of organically forming this question of I remember you know it was the ending part of campaign two for critical role those of you not in the know and uh Matthew Mercer introduced this uh, NPC he was utilizing uh this combat wheelchair that you had invented and all of a sudden like overnight if you weren't already uh popular on Twitter suddenly your Twitter follower count uh, just kind of exploded and uh, it kind of started this whole debate. And yeah, you know, truthfully, yeah, there were people that, uh, you know, perhaps knee jerk reacted a little too quickly and some people that embraced it. So I, maybe just kind of talking about that a little, you know, because obviously that led you to do um, all these other projects that you were excited to work on. You know, I mentioned the, uh, you know, the MCDM Arcadia article where you made another NPC character that utilized uh, disability uh, rules and tools uh, that you came up with. So what has that all been like um it's kind of been wild <laughs> um it, <laughs> it feels like it's been longer than a year but it hasn't <laughs> mm -hmm. um because you know I, I posted the combat wheelchair just in august last year um in 2020 and um you know the whole uh being part of critical role as well that was that was really wild as well and like it definitely contributed greatly i think to and like, I'm forever grateful to Matt for reaching out and asking if he could use it because mm. honestly, it helped normalize it. Like you said, there were knee-jerk responses of like, that's ridiculous. It can't be in D&D, &D, which, you know, is a silly argument. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it kind of, after that initial response, when Matt just showed this character being a genuine person because that's what yeah. disabled people he was are. good at his job it didn't yeah. matter that he used a wheelchair like he got mm -hmm. the mighty nine exactly to where they needed to go and he was a good yeah. uh backup bro yeah yeah he was great um and there's always that like because i i tuned in to watch the episodes dagon was in mm -hmm. um and you know i was up until like two in the morning waiting for <laughs> this stream to start um right. and you know, getting to, um, there's that one bit that like really stood out to me where um, Dagan gets first introduced. And I think it was Jester who says, um, uh, what is it she says? Oh, she says, uh, are, are you sure you'll, you'll be all right? Like on the snow with your wheelchair, valid question to ask. Mm -hmm. And he just laughs and says, oh, I just hope you can keep up. Yeah. And I was like, yes, that's mm -hmm. badass. I love that so much. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, even you got to see in chat, like, progression of people getting really excited whenever Dagon was brought up and mm -hmm. you know getting to know him as a character and seeing people cosplay him as well like disabled people in the community cosplaying him mm -hmm. um people making miniatures of him and making artwork of him and mm -hmm. Uh, the fact that my name is on the Critical Role wiki is having yeah. contributed to Critical Role which is just really wild um and yeah, uh, with uh, Arcadia as well, getting mm -hmm. to make characters who don't just use a wheelchair, that they use other um, mobility equipment um, mm -hmm. and how they use it um, is also like amazing to do. Um, and I also got to include things like sign languages on a section on how disability is only a part of a character and it shouldn't be their only defining trait and how mm -hmm. you can go about 
you know, making this character a character um, and uh, the things that he likes and that he does. And um, yeah, just just getting to do that and then getting to see the artwork that they made of that character afterwards was just really cool. Um, yeah, it's it's all been wild. And like there are more projects and stuff that are coming out that I, I got involved with um, mm-hmm. from a disability point as well. So yeah, lots, lots of um, stuff to be excited about, even stuff that's non-disability. Like I, mm-hmm. well, technically there are disabled NPCs and stuff in it, um, but I got published in Book of Tales, which is my first Witcher adventure to be officially published. And, you know, um, getting to see people's responses to the character in that there's a blind character called the Witcheress um, who uses a seeing eye cane and it tells you how to role play that and how to role play her as a character um, as well as fleshing her out as an actual character as well um so yeah that was that was great and just having you know Artasaurian games be super supportive of that um and then bring me on to help with the cyber chair um for cyberpunk and even just normal wheelchairs for cyberpunk as well Mm -hmm. was really cool yeah no it's it's certainly all uh good and very cool i know it's made me think more so of oh yeah these are normal people and i need to try and do my part as a dungeon master who uh you know is trying to run games and stuff in my way in my game hopefully being able to pick up those combat wheelchair rules and uh have those made available for any other player characters in my game or just being able to be like Oh yeah, this NPC. Yes, they use a wheelchair. It doesn't inhibit their any day, everyday life in any way whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's just you know really cool to hear people talk about the characters that they make, and people also coming around to the realization of what I've been trying to to push and get people to understand is that you can have disability and still have fun in a game mechanic. Um, I've said before, like people treat disability as this very serious you know like um thing that you you can't like have fun with at all because if you do you might be insensitive it's like no you can still be sensitive and still be like have extreme fun with it Mm. um you know as long as you're aware of the choices that you've made for that character and um you are aware of things like for example with a, a character with um who's an amputee like things like uh you know phantom limb syndrome and things like that how that would contribute to their character and their experience in the world there's no reason they can't have something like uh a prosthetic arm that can turn into a cannon and things like that um you know like with an that artificer's the, dream yeah like with um the combat wheelchair i made and uh the artificer subclass i made for it and um the fact that it turns into like a mech suit for different (laughs) things that you may need and it can be a bipedal one or it can be a quadruped one so like if you need it to do certain things it can transform well without further ado uh after learning so much wonderful information about my wonderful guest i think it's time we head into some npc creation So, of course, this is the part of the show where we get to reveal, create an NPC character. And, of course, Sarah has a bit of a celebrity of an NPC that we're going to be uh, working with uh, today. Because uh, last I checked on the web, uh, this character appears in a certain mobile game uh, that you can get. Is that correct? Yeah, um, so his name is Talon Uran, and he's a rogue, um, and he is in Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. 
um, which is Codename Entertainment, who publish it and uh, is a Wizards of the Coast official, officially licensed game, um, which is super cool because technically my character's canon somewhat, yeah. <laughs> you know, alongside uh, other characters like Jalax or Bainray and of course people like Strix and Evelyn Marthane from other big stream games. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, that's another thing that happened that was very bizarre <laughs> um, and very cool. So yeah, it was um, it was a lot of fun, and uh, he's a kind of character who's got like a very special place in my heart. So mm. yeah, I thought I would uh, bring him along today. Cool. So uh, I guess we're already breezing through these questions because we already we already know the character's name. Uh, but what is the ancestry of uh, of our character today? Um, Talon is a tiefling, um, an infernal one. Uh, he has uh, crimson. Uh, deep red skin, yellow eyes. He has horns that are kind of twist backwards from his head. It's hard to explain, but when you see artwork of him, you're like, okay, that's how they work. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> bad at describing. Uh, <laughs> specifically horns. Um, and uh, he has, you know, a scruffy beard and messy black hair. He wears a lot of green and leather armor. Mm. Um, and he has a combat wheelchair. Yeah, so... Uh, that's you know pretty much the the premise for him um and his combat wheelchair has a bunch of fun cool things on it a bunch of go-go gadgets yeah a bunch of, a bunch of fun things that like a rogue would find very useful um, ah so that's his job then he's a rogue yeah um so typically i think in idol champions he's either um a thief or a swashbuckler but in my actual games he's um a daredevil rogue which is a subclass that i made and obviously that's not in official D, so we were like we'll give him an official D class um <laughs> but uh he's a daredevil rogue which um a subclass that i made that you can get for free and uh it's basically a rogue that can um use their wheelchair and tumble and um do other things like that um it t- very much takes uh inspiration from uh things like wcxing which is uh wheelchair bmxing oh um, i was gonna it, say i am at you were describing it and i imagined you know like the roll cages in some of these stunt cars are like nascars where it's like <laughs> they're engineered in such a way so if the car goes tumbling around and it's like oh i'm perfectly fine the car may be beat up but like i'm perfectly fine yeah um they they demonstrated how his chair would normally work if he were a daredevil rogue in one of the idol champions comics um which is it shows talon uh kind of doing a stunt off um basically a slope that's kind of acting like a half pipe mm-hmm. um and he's got his rapier drawn um and jarl axel's complaining in the background that he's a show off um <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so um that's that's kind of what he does um and uh i know i'm talking about like saying oh it's a combat wheelchair subclass but all of my combat wheelchair subclasses can also be applied to characters who don't use a combat wheelchair as well mm-hmm. um they're fully flexible and inclusive mm-hmm. um and he uh yeah, he, he does a lot of um, like tumbling tricks, uh, distraction, swift movements, um, basically your kind of typical rogue. And then uh, his wheelchair is kitted out with things like traps that he can release and get scatter attacks to uh, kind of go across the ground. That's actually one of the things that he does in the video game. When you get a level up, you can <laughs> uh, choose that feat. Um, and uh, yeah, he he does stuff like that um, and like oil grease traps as well he's got um and he has daggers uh embedded into the 
not the push rim, but the push rim case of like around the wheel so that when he is rolling along, he can literally just pull one out and throw it um, if he needs to. Uh, and cool. it's got the, the most noticeable thing on his wheelchair is the, um, he has two things. One is a lamp that is like sticks from the back of his wheelchair and it's a green flame lantern. Mm. Um, and then uh, his uh wheelchair itself from the axle um is like a, a kind of pronged piece of metal which uh is designed to go into people's shins like Ooh. a like a you know like a razor scooter straight to the shin <laughs> yeah that sounds painful <laughs> yeah no this is this is great i'm loving this um so let's see going through our questions here um i know on idol champions it lists a specific age but do you have a different age in mind uh, for Talon? Uh, I think on Idol Champions, he's 26. And I mm. think that's the, yeah, that's the age that I'm still currently playing him at um, when okay. he appears in things. Um, so I haven't, uh, I haven't used him much in a campaign lately. And that's just because I wanted to play a different character for a change. Sure. But um, yeah, he, he kind of comes in like as a, as an NPC, even in our campaign every now and then. Oh, that's cool. Um, but just with like, you know, a different backstory, we kind of change things up and stuff. Ah. Um, just so he, he has a mustache on and a pair of glasses. Yeah. So you don't yeah. recognize pretty him. much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got one of those. Yeah. One of those gag sunglasses. Like, yeah, he's a he's a great character. Like, um, and he was my my first character I ever made, like the combat wheelchair to kind of showcase what it could do. That's cool. So extra special and close to your heart. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> So let's see. I think you had gone through most of the physical description of the character. Were there any notes that uh, people would need to know about physical description of Talon? Not so much on a, a physical description, I think, but it is physically a part of him in that Talon is paralyzed from his lower back down. So he's uh, paraplegic um, and his tail also doesn't really move much. Uh, and he has things like very bad nerve pain through his tail um and yeah that's very much like a part of the the character um because I write short stories about Talon which I put online for people to read mm -hmm. um and people seem to like them uh and it's very much like uh if you read those that's like very much a part of the character like there isn't a time when he doesn't think about you know his tail aching even if it's just a very background description of it aching um yeah he he and how he kind of um copes with that and uh it's it's very much a part of his character even if it's not so much a physical description mm. um but it does contribute to the fact that his legs because of how long he's been paralyzed for now um have muscle atrophy so they do appear thinner mm. um which is something that uh i always make sure he looks like in the artwork for him if you look on the front cover of the combat wheelchair the most recent mm. one you can actually see his legs are thinner um than compared to like the proportions of his top half um and you know um the artist who does that groove uh he's amazing um and like always goes that extra mile to make sure that details constantly always there in the artwork of him if you had to describe talent with three adjectives what three adjectives would best work cunning charming and exploitative <laughs> <laughs> okay he sees an opportunity and he takes it. <laughs> Very roguelike behavior, I would say. <laughs> what is a valuable item, piece of lore, 
a secret or an ideal or concept that Talon ascribes to. So I mean, the wheelchair a, probably is like a number one valuable to yeah, him. Definitely. And uh, it's extra special to him because uh, before, which is kind of where we're at with me writing the stories, we're still in like the before he gets a proper combat wheelchair. He had like this kind of average wheelchair, which um, a lot of people seem to confuse as being an everyday wheelchair, but it's not. It's more like a medical one, which aren't very great for everyday use because mm. they have a higher up back and they're clunky and, you know, they're awkward to move around in. It, he originally had that and then um, uh, Jarl Axel just surprised him with a new um, wheelchair, which uh, Talon fondly calls Edge because uh, when Jarl Axel gave it to him, he said, like, this should give you an edge in like in combat. And he was like, OK, a term of endearment towards his wheelchair is to call it Edge. Um, and yeah, like that's that's one of his like most valuable items. Um and uh both literally you know and like because it's a symbol of something because mm. he's put so many uh upgrades on it now that it is very expensive <laughs> if, he, if he lost it he'd be uh pretty upset if it got broken or damaged mm-hmm. um and then there is uh a rapier um which actually is in the idol champions game as well uh it's a broken um rapier which as you kind of level up and progress with him it begins to reforge back together um because in his story this rapier was shattered um the day that uh, there was an accident at a warehouse um he used to work for the grandpa's blades which was like a pretty old gang from Waterdeep. i think they were like mentioned in like fourth or 3.5 edition wow. um so like they're, they're pretty like an old gang yeah the the warehouse uh blew up due to improperly stored gunpowder mm. um and uh talon um unfortunately his his lower half got completely crushed um and the blade shattered and one of his friends at the time you know thought he might want it back and assembled like all the pieces like and just put them in a bag to give to him um and he kept it uh but it was very much a painful reminder um of uh, what he'd lost because a lot of Talon's story is going through what I went through with like very internalized ableism and um, the feeling of having lost something and that you can't regain it, which isn't true, obviously, but like it, it's how you feel when you're suddenly disabled and can't do things that you used to anymore, mm-hmm. um, which is what I went through as a kid. Um, and Uh, over time uh, as he gets more confident and makes friends and realizes he can still do his job just as effectively he just needed a proper wheelchair to do it with and a Mm. supportive network when he joined um, the uh, the Bragg and Darth when he joins uh, Jarl Axel's gang Um, and uh, he eventually gets it reforged Um, I can't remember the style of what it's called but um, it's basically where you reforge things but with gold through them I don't know if you oh like with the filigree yeah like with um, pottery they do it with a lot as well Mm. Um, like they put metal through it so he has gold going through it and you actually see that in the game it gets reforged that's um, pretty cool get certain items and cards and stuff Um, so yeah that would be his like second most precious item i think um because to him it resembles of like you know how far he's come um and it kind of resembles that you know you were never like uh 
what he thought he was, which was he thought he was broken and useless, which is what I felt like when I was younger. Um, and then seeing it put back together and being like, no, you just needed the equipment that you need to help, to help you get on with life. Um, so yeah, to him, that's that's what it means. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he uh, yeah, like the only other really significant part of the lore is that he, um, you know, joined uh, the Bregendarth um, and became very close with Jarlaxel to the point where um, in the game as well, they reflect it that Jarlaxel has this kind of um, important presence in Talon's life to where if Jarlaxel asked him to do something or confided in him with something, Talon would do it like no questions asked and they made a mechanic in the game specifically for that <laughs> that if <laughs> that if um Talon uh and Jarlaxle are together in the same like party formation uh you can flip it so that Talon supports him which in turn supports all of the um negative alignment characters like the bad line characters as well so um yeah he kind of flips on a dime um because he keeps saying like oh you know because he and Jarlaxle like eventually had like a falling out so he's like no I, I don't trust Jarlaxle or anything and Jarlaxle literally asks him to do something and he'll do it um because yeah he he kind of you know really does care about Jarlaxle in a way um so yeah he he kind of that indecisiveness with Jarlaxle I think is another big part of his character <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds vaguely reminiscent of prequel Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi. A little bit, which I think I've seen you on Twitter get very excited about the upcoming Obi-Wan I Kenobi am. show. I am. So, like, <laughs> I, I, I made that threat on Twitter. I was like, when, when the show goes live, all, all it's going to be is Obi-Wan, 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 <laughs> and nothing else. Um, and it'll be the same when like Mandalorian season three comes out. It would just be yeah. Mandalorian <laughs> and nothing else. And I guess I could also say the same for when The Witcher Season 2 drops. There's, there's a lot coming out in yeah. the new year, so very awesome. exciting. But um, yeah, like you're, you're kind of right with that, like Anakin, Obi-Wan kind of dynamic, um, but less in the way that it's like mentor and, and student, more just like two very close friends in this kind of on and off again relationship of like, you know, not what, knowing where each other stands really. Mm. Um is kind of like a big part of, of them. And then let's see, what is a particular quest that Talon would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do? So we're going to put Talon in our game. What are we going to, where are we going to find him? What is he going to ask us to do or what is he going to offer up? Talon would usually spend his time where there are a lot of people. So that would usually be, you know, bars or if it's down by a docks, he'd be down there. Um, probably at a front for the Bregendarth, um, you know, like a, a kind of front shop for them. Um, and he would enlist them to essentially do work for the Bregendarth, but without revealing that they're actually doing it for the Bregendarth. Mm. Um, you know, because that's kind of uh, that's kind of also Jarlaxle's kind of shtick. He convinces you to do things for him without making you realize he's kind of manipulating you into doing it. He makes mm. you kind of think, oh, I just had this great idea when actually it's a terrible idea and you shouldn't do it. Um, so, yeah, he, he would probably, you know, convince them that uh, he really needs something or tell kind of white liars and like, you know, somebody stole something and you really need to go get it back for me because it's really important. 
um you know and would kind of uh, play up on on that kind of angle a bit um but if i think it also depends on the players as well because if the players are more like chaotic aligned or you know evil aligned um or even just neutral like he might just be forthright with them and be like hey you want a job like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and com- convince them to uh you know either he'll either swindle them or like convince them into to doing something that will help the Bregan Darth himself and Jarl Axel in the long run all right so I guess for our purposes so uh Talon's gonna ask you to go retrieve something which may or may not belong to the gang he may tell you a story about it or he may just straight up say hey we're interested in getting this thing we can't get involved directly but we don't know who you guys are so maybe you can go do it for us what is going to be the reward that Talon's uh willing to offer them for successful completion um I think it would be either something like um like beyond you know your average gold payment or anything he'd Mm. probably offer um some kind of small uh item that grants some kind of either boon or just like uh you know like an advantage perhaps on things like sneaking um and stuff like that um or it may just be he rewards them with something that um the bregendorf uh warehouse is currently stocking whatever that may be whether it's something like you know a pair of like brand new kind of flintlock pistols or uh a new weapon of some sorts or even just uh you know like illicit magical things that shouldn't be here clearly but you know Mm. he he might bribe you with hey you want some like alchemist fire or something you know okay (laughs) you know kind of under the table um yeah he he would probably do that um he would kind of like make it worth the while i think talon really understands that sometimes in order to sway people's morals you've kind of got to really sweeten the pot Mm. um and convince them that they're going to get something really good out of it um even if it's only a very small good something is just kind of hype it up to be really really good you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah that that would be his kind of play um as well as like a you know a kind of down payment of an amount of gold to ensure you know that they want to do it (laughs) uh but now we have to consider the opposite what's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to adventure you know maybe these are lawful good uh goody two-shoes who can see through the deception or they just don't care and they don't want to do the offered up side quest. What's going to be the consequence? Um, I think uh, hmm, Talon would probably initially like try and play it off cool. Like, oh yeah, no, fine then. It doesn't matter, you know, and probably do something like invite them for drinks. Um, uh, potentially at a overcrowded bar where other Bragg and Darth members would be and potentially make a signal for them to be you know uh a, a sleight of hand uh something gets taken from them um mm. that they may realize later on um kind of thing uh and if they want it back they have to do something for him um you know he's he's kind of underhanded like that like he mm. <laughs> he does not care like moral wise um like he wouldn't go out of his way like to just outright bully them into it or outright hurt them it's more just like would inconvenience them to the point that they have to do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, otherwise he's just gonna make things unnecessarily difficult um which is you know potentially something that he learned from you know being around jalaxel all the time considering that's one of jalaxel's big plays as well 
What are the goals and motivations for Talon? Um, his goals is his goal currently is just to um, you know, continue being the best of what he does. Um, he kind of shares the mindset of like my goals are whatever Jarl Axel wants. Um, but sometimes he does have his own goals. Like if he sees something and he thinks, oh, that's genuinely the worst stealing or trying to get, like he'll do it. Um, but otherwise he he very much not idolizes Jarl Axel, but very much respects whatever Jarl Axel wants is what goes. Um, and uh, his, his, his motivations as well is to, um, well, initially to begin with um it was kind of he wanted to prove that he could still be a rogue um which is you know kind of an unhealthy mindset to be in um and that kind of really drove him forward um but now his motivation is just to kind of stay at the top of his game but he realizes he can do that now um you know rather than trying to prove himself to everyone it's more just like he knows he's pretty good and he wants to continue getting better um and you know making as many kind of contacts as he can um because you know like strength strength in numbers and you know making sure that you have as many friends on your side compared to as how many enemies that you have uh how did these affect his general personality um so talon is kind of sarcastic uh playful um and initially was kind of like prone to you know fits of like being really moody and sniffish at people and he can still get snippish um when he's like got very bad chronic pain in his tail um you know so like that very much affects his his mood from time to time um but it isn't like a, a constant thing um and then uh as well his personality is um very jokey uh like you know the kind of you hang out with your friends, lightly bully each other, kind of, <laughs> um, kind of, uh, you know, uh, way of hanging out with other people. Um, and he's quite sociable, really, which is uh, a massive improvement on how he was initially when he was first made. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's he's a very sociable. Will not necessarily be like, you know, un, like be nice uh, without strings attached though like if he buys you a drink he kind of expects something in return um you know there's always that kind of unspoken you now kind of owe me something and he does keep track of who owes him what exactly so yeah he's he's kind of plays off as being like light-hearted and jokey but he is quite you know conniving and and cunning uh how does talon normally interact uh with different groups of people is he the same across the board or does he you know kind of vary a little bit you know say if it were like family and friends versus you know his gang members versus enemies and rivals versus player characters um with the gang members um he's kind of you know just uh quite quite happy like happy around them like the same way that like if you've got like a big group of friends he considers all the gang members his friends really um and uh you know that there are some that he is more close to than others um and the ones that he's more close to are like the ones he spends most time with but you know he he will still go out of his way to say like hello to people if he passes them and things like that um and with uh with Jarl Axel though, like it's it's um 
it's not always constant like chattering and being like you know excited and energetic um like they they tend to have like quite a few like long kind of companionable silences um and he very clearly respects Jarlaxle um on a deep level uh even when they disagree Talon won't go out of his way to like actually get aggressive about it um he tries to convince Jarlaxle and reason with him rather than get angry which is what he might do if a friend got in a really nasty disagreement with him he might get angry at that or snippish with them um but with Jarlaxle like he just tries to reason with him rather than you know let emotions get in the way um so yeah like that there are kind of uh, a, f- a few mixed things really um but it kind of comes down to that very strange you know just outright respect for for Jarl Axel like uh, at all times even when he really does not agree with what Jarl Axel's doing which has happened sometimes um you know like he'll he'll still do it um but yeah he probably won't talk to him for like a couple days about it um and that kind of kind of thing they have like a very strange like relationship like that uh, does Talon have a particular accent or language uh, that he uses? Uh, any idiosyncrasies in the way that he speaks and acts? I try to make him talk a bit more like how I normally talk um, because uh, I, I guess I talk a bit differently at home with like friends and family and stuff. Um, so I'll use like slang for, that's like local around the area. So like, you know, saying things like in it for isn't it and you know ain't out now that kind of stuff using old sayings and um stuff like that and uh if i if i had to like give him a voice because i can't really do male voices like very deep or anything but he does have like kind of a, a deep voice like a kind of deep gruff voice and it would be a west midlandsy kind of accent from the uk which is where i'm from <laughs> um so yeah it'd be that kind of not quite Birmingham, but kind of Birmingham accent. What impact has Talon made on the world? How has he shaped the local area? In in our campaign, uh, he he essentially shaped the world by uh, preventing Luskin from being completely destroyed by a dragon. Um, with him and Jarlaxle doing that, and a, a bunch of other people like um, Solon Zabrindus, who's like Jack. Uh, Jarlaxle's one of Jarlaxle's right-hand men um and things like that so uh yeah that that was the whole time in Luskin that was during that was after a Waterdeep uh Dragon Heist campaign that was because you know Talon kind of fit in seamlessly in that setting and then mm-hmm. uh yeah we carried on after that um and yeah he he you know stopped it from being burnt to the ground by a I think it was a red a red dragon I think it was a red dragon um it was a really big one like an ancient red dragon um and yeah like uh it was it was kind of fun because like we had to like appease it basically and like we were able to do it through like charisma essentially in the end (laughs) um so yeah it was uh he he kind of in his local area is kind of known for preventing more than half of uh luskin being burnt down we couldn't save all of it unfortunately (laughs) And then finally, do you have any current problems that prevent you, Talon, from being a bigger player on the stage? Um, I think at the moment, uh, Talon is kind of indecisive with where he stands with Jarlaxle and is beginning to have some doubts um, about 
certain things Jarl Axel does or like the ideologies that this man has that they don't always align with one another um and I guess that kind of freaks him out to the point where he's like you know like gotta stop thinking about that I've just gotta continue on with what he says to do um so I think you know he's kind of on the verge of like a, a coin flip kind of a way I think probably from snapping at Jarl Axel at one point um so he's kind of resigned himself to doing uh, a bit of, um, uh, I guess, I would say legwork, but maybe wheelchair work. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so he, he's, he's been you know, um, resigning himself to, to just working, basically, to kind of ignore what's going on um, and relying more on people like Solon and his friend Sarin to kind of support him through this. Um, yeah, so he's he's at the moment he's unsure with where he stands within the Bregendorf. Ooh, all right. Well, uh, with us learning more about Mr. Talon Uren, I think it's time we head into a random encounter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So this random encounter is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas titans of the tabletop industry since 1994 here in my backyard in DFW. And they have an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories and stream on Twitch with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a miniature that has you covered. Every time you shop with them and spend at least 40 USD on your purchase, they give you a cool new mini of the month for free. It's always something new, so... Be sure to come back often and check it out. Uh, if you visit my podcast website, you can find an affiliate link uh, for the sponsorship and use that link to go visit Reaper Miniatures. Uh, by doing so, it helps to support sidekicks and side quests and, you know, get you that savings. So by clicking on that link on my website, it helps to track the traffic that our show directs towards Reaper Miniatures. Uh, the more traffic, the more that our Texas powers combine. So again, go and check out that link on my website in order to use my link. Uh, be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. That all out of the way now. We have to think and consider um, what kind of scenario are we going to find uh, talent in? I know in describing the side quest, it's like, oh, hey, you should go get this thing. But I'm wondering if, I don't know, bringing one of my NPC characters in the podcast uh, to interact with Talon, or do we create a brand new NPC here on the spot to do it? Or what are you thinking? It'd be nice to to kind of bring in your NPC, like one that you've already made. It's up to you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we've got a couple choices. Uh, we have uh, Duncan, the suicidally brave, uh, chaotic good boy who, uh, you know, no task too small, no feat too daring. He'll happy-go-lucky, gullible sort of a fellow. Uh, that's an adventurer. We have uh, Sonia, the, the warrior woman, now multi-classing into Paladin. And then we have Korak, who is the lawful evil arcane trickster kind of a guy. He's a dwarf, too. You kind of got three different uh, flavors. I, I feel like, based on the character we described, it's perhaps maybe another Korak sort of adventure. Maybe. Um, but I think, I think also the first character was pretty good considering you said that he was gullible <laughs> yeah he is currently wearing a pair of cursed penny loafers they give him some great oh, no. stats but uh they make him susceptible <laughs> to the command spell unfortunately 
Yeah, there was a Deathlock cobbler who, uh, you know, has an oh, archfey no. for a patron. So that was kind of the deal with the penny loafers. <laughs> Very nice deerskin loafers, I might add. <laughs> Good quality. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so you want to meet Duncan then? Sure thing. Okay. All right. So I will set the scene. So where we last left our hero in the Astral Sea, um, Duncan was helping out Winston, uh, the Gith Yankee miner, and uh, they were exploring the planetoid and mining it. And, uh, you know, of course, it's the Astral Sea, so time passes differently. What probably has been like days, weeks, months, dare I say years, uh, Duncan spent a lot of time with Winston and gained uh, his respect and his trust, uh, which is very good considering the stories uh, that we heard about Winston. Um but eventually, you know, they're getting near the end of uh, exploring the planetoid and getting it mined completely. Uh, and they're, they're coming to this last patch of uh, some strange new material uh, that Winston is just excited to get into. And so he tells, OK, Duncan, you know, take the pickaxe and, and go uh, start mining it. And, uh, you know, as things are with the Astral Sea, not all seems as it as it is. And so is the minute that Duncan makes contact with this strange rare mineral with the pickaxe, all of a sudden he's instantly transported and he finds himself in, I guess now the Forgotten Realms, a realm that he's never been to before. It looks very similar to where he came from before uh, and he finds himself suddenly appearing on the docks of Waterdeep. Again, he's like dumbfounded, he's looking around, he doesn't know what's going on and he's like still holding this pickaxe in his hand and he's just like, uh... What in the world just happened? And I imagine, you know, if Talon isn't that far away, all of a sudden he just saw someone blink into existence. So how does Talon react to this? Uh, probably a, a little bit surprised, taken aback. Uh, it's an unusual thing, even in Waterdeep. Um, and uh, he'll he'll probably, uh, you know, try and get Duncan's attention um, and you know, hail him over uh, and be like, uh, you look a little lost, mate. Yes, yes, I am. I was, uh, I was in the astral sea. I don't know how, Duncan probably for the first time really stops to consider, he feels his face. He's got like this full beard that he didn't have before. His hair's a little bit longer. He's got maybe some age lines now or something. He, he's aged some, uh, you know, but, but maybe he hasn't, I don't know. And in, in coming to this new, uh, multiverse realm or something. Um, but he's like, yes, I was, I was just in the astral sea. I was on a planetoid with Winston and we were mining for what seemed like a long time. And he's like, he's still holding this pickaxe and he looks at it and he, I guess, hands it over to Talon who can see it's clearly of Gith Yankee making as far as this pickaxe is concerned. He's like, yeah, we were mining and I was, I, I, I struck this mineral and I, now find myself here which i don't i don't know what this world is he looks around and duncan i guess rolls an insight check and kind of like i guess maybe middle of the road as far as this check is concerned he's like it looks familiar from where i'm from but then he'll look over and i don't know i don't know the kinds of things you see in in uh, faerun and forgotten realms that maybe aren't the same where he's from he's like that looks a little weird and maybe it's because it's like a I don't know, we'll say like a bugbear is having an arm wrestling contest with a stone giant. Like he's like that 
yeah, that doesn't normally happen where I'm from. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I am lost. Yes, you are very astute and observant. I am very lost. Um, yeah, he, he says, uh, well, welcome to Waterdeep. Ah. Uh, the jewel of the Forgotten Realms, which is where you are. Okay, yeah, he will, um, yeah, he'll roll a history check, and he's just, he just kind of, like, does these, he, like, has no idea what that is, and he's like, well, I guess that must mean I might have to make my way to a, a cartographer or something eventually to kind of get my bearings and maybe try and find a way home, but, um, and he, he actually takes a moment to stop and look, and he sees the device, the combat wheelchair, which, well, that is completely new. What? What sort of mechanized robot chair is this? <laughs> uh, Talon looks at him like a little strange. He's like, it's it's just a chair, mate, with wheels. And like kind of pushes it to, to show how it kind of rolls forward and backwards. Ah. It's uh, just a wheelchair. Oh, okay. Well, hmm. I guess he's seen like the lantern and, you know, uh, maybe some of the other things he's like, you know, he'll he, like he sees like the nasty shin scraper or whatever. And he's like, uh, well, I suppose. Yeah, they I suppose they would have, you know, they do have wheelchairs where I, I come from, but I've never seen any like this before. Uh, and yeah, Talon says, yeah, it's it's kitted out to help me do my job, mate. Ah, and what is it that you do? Uh, I am currently uh sailing under the uh the illustrious eye catcher ship uh and he will gesture over to the dock where about 40 feet out in the harbor area by the the sea gate is this huge uh galleon mm. definitely uh you know living up to the name the eye catcher <laughs> that is a very impressive ship if i might say so myself and are you the captain oh God no. Uh no, but my my boss is the captain. Ah. Okay. Well, uh well, I mean, he 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 checks all of his belongings and he's like, "Oh, no, I I still have got a fair bit of my stuff, but I, I suppose if I'm to help get my bearings, it, it it might help to make friends. I don't know. Is there something that I can do for you and and, and perhaps, you know, get a better lay of the land and, you know, make some connections and I guess try and find my way back?" home yeah talon talon smiles at that uh and says oh i'm sure we can make a deal uh you know there there are a few things that um i could use some help with around here my boss could certainly use the help ah well i am a very helpful lad well he'd he'd be glad to hear it uh there are plenty of things to do here in Waterdeep. um but uh one of the things um is uh one of our shipments has gone missing from the dock we think somebody's took it what um and we specifically think that uh it is part of the the grandpa's blades uh which is a gang here in Waterdeep. they're mm. known for you know kind of taking people's things it's just how gangs work we mm. uh unfortunately um can't do anything uh as we are only visitors to Waterdeep, um, and we've tried talking to the, you know, the watch, and uh, unfortunately, they they just don't seem to believe us. Hmm, that's very that's very sad to hear. Yeah, Duncan rolls an insight check and <laughs> like natural one, so he's like eating this up. <laughs> he's like, that's so sad and terrible. Reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a little business card, and in you know, it's like Duncan, suicidally brave, adventurer for hire, no task too small, no feat 
too daring. And he's like, you know, I am an adventurer by trade. Uh, and, you know, and my, my fatal flaw is that I cannot refuse an errand put before me. So if you need this shipment returned to you, I can I can go deal with these things. And you you actually take a moment to look at Duncan and despite the the odd penny loafers on his feet with these coins inside of them. Uh, you can look and see, he's, you know, he has this crazy hand crossbow contraption on his wrist. And, you know, he's got some other gear and stuff decked out on him. And I, I've picked up some tools and tricks and talents along the way of my adventures. And I feel like I'm up to the task. Uh, Talon, like, gives him, like, a proper, like, grin at that point, showing his, like, pointy teeth, um, and, uh, and says, wow, that sounds excellent, and, you know, he takes that, the business card, and he's like, I'll pass that along to my boss, uh, and you, in return, uh, can have this, uh, and he hands over, um, what looks to be a small brooch, um, and it has on it a arachnid, a spider, uh, on some webbing, uh, he hands it over, um, and he says, uh, keep that with you. Uh, and once we've, uh, well, you uh, have located our missing um, shipment, all you need to do is tap it uh, and someone will be right with you. Interesting. Okay. He he takes a moment to examine the piece and he's like, hmm, okay. And he'll, uh, I guess he'll stow it away safely so he doesn't... Uh, accidentally tap it too early in case he fears like something's gonna pop up right there or something like that and he's like all right well um uh i don't believe i i caught your name did i did i catch your name sir uh yeah talon goes oh i'm i'm sorry where are my manners we got all caught up uh guess that happens when you just randomly appear um <laughs> but he holds his hand out um you know, with his clawed fingers, uh, and says, uh, I'm Talon Aaron. Duncan, and he'll finish shaking the hand, and he'll say, all right, Talon, well, uh, I suppose point me in the direction of where these, uh, brogues are, and, uh, I will make my way there. Yeah, uh, Talon says, uh, well, come with me, uh, we'll get you a map, we'll get you sorted, uh, and he begins wheeling off. All right, and Duncan will follow, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens to Duncan next time. And yeah. scene. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what did you think of uh, of meeting Duncan? Oh, he's exactly the type that like Talon would, you know, be like, yes, this is the kind of person I can get to do a job for me, or I can swindle. <laughs> Right. Um, you know, which is kind of how, how Talon really operates, you know? <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully with his exuding chaotic and exuding good emphasis on the good too, uh, hopefully uh, Talon will, you know, maybe have like a winter warlock sort of change of heart and be like, <laughs> oh, this good person, maybe I could be good too. And, and then that'll help him on his own personal thing of like, Oh, I like Jarlaxle, but I don't agree with all he does. And you know, maybe maybe that'll be the catalyst that that he needed. Maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, we have entered into the final thoughts section of the show, so I like to ask my guests, you know, what they thought of their experience and comments and warts and all. Um, no, it was it was really fun. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, just bringing my character and getting to talk about him, and just any chance to talk about tabletop is great. Like I, I love to love doing it. Um, you know, it's always nice to to talk with other people who also enjoy it. 
Um, so, you know, there's that kind of shared topic and have that be the subject of a conversation is just really fun. Um, especially because where I live, not a lot of people uh, play tabletop, like pretty much where I live directly. So like a lot of people I talk to are either online or friends that I have to like go visit. So mm. it's just nice to be able to just chat about tabletop. I like to give the soapbox, the platform, the stage over to the guests for the, the final moments. And so if you have any projects that we need to be made aware of, social medias you want to plug, anything, causes, passions, all that, uh, let us know. Um, yeah, so pretty much I do everything over on my Twitter, which is at Mustangs Art. Um, that's also my Patreon username, um, basically on Patreon. Uh, you can subscribe to get early access to projects and behind the scenes looks at what I'm doing. Um, but for the most part, um, stuff that's not on Patreon is usually very disability centered. And I always make a policy to have that be 100% free. Um, you don't have to pay for that at all. Um, and my linked no, my link to my pin uh, tweet uh, at the very top of my um, Twitter page is the most recent version of the combat wheelchair. Um, and it's still 100% free to download using your games. Um, and it has loads of subclasses and stuff now. It's, it's a whole big project. It's basically a book now mm -hmm. by itself. Um, and I really recommend checking it out. Some great artists collaborated with me on it. Um, and everyone who was a part of the project was disabled themselves, creating disability artwork, um, which was really awesome. Um, and uh, if you are interested in playing The Witcher uh, tabletop, which is The Witcher Pen and Paper by Art Alsorian Games, um, you can check them out on Twitter, which is Artelsorian Games and their website of the same name. Um, and you can get the core rule book. There's also um, Book of Tales, which is the newest book released, um, which has my first adventure in it. It has six adventures and you can put them all together to do like one overarching story if you want. Um, they can all fit together or you can just play them as one shots. I'm going to say next year now because who knows because of all the the print and press changes because of the world at the minute mm -hmm. um um we have tome of chaos which is another witcher book coming out um it has been announced it's adding all new spells all new law adding in npcs and things um and the starring adventure the soul adventure was written by me in it um and i also did some game design stuff um there are a bunch of other projects that are going to be coming out um which i unfortunately can't legally talk about yet but mm -hmm. um if you follow me on twitter like that'll be the first place you hear it once soon as it's announced is usually i just straight away tweet it or retweet so yeah that's uh everything that i am currently doing at the moment that i can talk about i think yeah i think okay. that's everything <laughs> yeah well sarah thank you so much uh for bearing with us across time and space and oceans uh, to talk with us today with a little old uh, podcast from Texas. I appreciate it so much and hope to have you back on. Uh, maybe we'll have another uh, celebrity NPC character on, or maybe you will test the fates and roll the dice randomly. And maybe we'll generate a fun character next time. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast, or 
feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our show with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Oh! Psychics, psycho